0: When we beat ourselves up around it, we're actually kind of sabotaging our success even more. So it's really important in those times where we don't keep our word to ourselves to have compassion and understanding. I love what Brene Brown says about compassion, like the most compassionate people have the strongest boundaries. So sometimes compassion is like a gentle nudge. Welcome to the first ever mini episode where I
1: go deep on a very specific theme us creative types run into all the time. I'm joined by Casey Benjamin, a leadership coach for entrepreneurs and businesses. I am facing self-doubt as I enter this new chapter, and in this petite podcast episode, we unpack where self-doubt comes from, and Casey shares the best ways for us to manage it. We also filmed this episode and tested a few different camera formats to see which one we liked. Process is going to be a vodcast on YouTube very soon, so watch this space. This is Process the Podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Thomas, motion director, social strategist, and founder of production company Cinematom. I can't wait to bring you into the world of my guests, some of Australia's most prolific creatives working in fashion, media, and design, as we unpack their unique creative process, inspiring you to work with creativity and lead a creative life that you love. If you love this episode, please share it with your fellow creative friends, your socials, leave a review, or DM me to let me know that you loved it. This is the second episode coming back to the podcast, and I need all the love that I can get. I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people who are the traditional custodians of the land which this podcast was recorded on. I'd also like to pay respect to both Elders past and present of the Kulin Nation and extend that respect to other Indigenous Australians listening. Let's dive in. Okay, guys, so we're back in the podcast studio. We're really testing video for this. So Casey's just watched us. I feel like you watched us like in Jumanji try and figure out all the camera apparatuses. We're shooting on an iPhone, we're shooting on a DSLR, and we're basically going to work out how best to do a video podcast. I love it.
0: I'm seeing the process in the process. Yes. <laughs> So you are here our, for it, you're yeah. our
1: first mini. But when you walked in, you know how when you meet people and you're like, oh, we're going to get along. I feel like you and I can chat for much longer than a minute. I said yes. stupidly, I put the boundaries <laughs> in place for myself being like, it's 8 to 15 minutes. But I don't know if we'll do that. So I'm sorry, everybody, if you That's thought you so were fine. getting an 8 to 15, it might. I don't know. We're going to see. So... I was introduced to you by the lovely team at the Commons. Yes. Um, tell me what the Courage Project is because I love the name. It's so cool.
0: It's a cool name, isn't it? I'm pretty proud of it. Yeah, so the Courage Project was really born out of my own need to embrace courage to be my true self. So I had a very kind of – I won't go into the big details about it, but I had a very kind of like face down, you know, on the floor of the kitchen moment, you know, where I was like right. – what am I doing with my life? Like, who am I? I've lost my way. What were you doing at that point? I was married, living in the Macedon Ranges with my then husband. Um, I had just become a mum. I'd expected that motherhood was going to fill that empty space inside. Mm -hmm. Um, I was on maternity leave from a teaching job. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a little veggie patch, I had the mortgage, I had the car, I did all the things that society said that was going to make me happy and I was miserable. So, yeah, so it was like this moment and for me I think a big part of it was around my son because... I thought as a teacher, like I mean I had 30 kids in my classroom and yeah. I was like, I'm going to have six of them of my own cuz I've got this down pat. I know how to control a classroom.
1: Yeah.
0: I had one and I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Parenthood is a completely different idea, like a whole a whole different ball game. And so I thought that, like, I you just mould children into what you want them to be, into these little perfect people. And then I met oh. him and I'm like, oh, no, he has his own personality. Oh. My job as his mother is to just help him be himself, be his true herself. And then I was yeah. like, well, how am I supposed to do that if I don't know who I am? Because I'd gone through life just looking around me trying to work out who should i be who do i need to be to please this person um you know and i definitely have an element of that like in my biology we'll probably get to that a little mm. bit later um but you know i mean growing up as a girl in the 80s there's a lot of messaging around you know be a good girl be nice put others yes. needs before yourself There's still that still that there's still in the
1: 90s and it's I'm yeah. still that yeah, yeah. i'm I unpacking mean, all of that as we speak
0: yeah and people will be unpacking it for generations i think but um you know, it was I, – I hadn't done enough soul-searching to work out who I was. Right. And so the Courage Project is kind of that, that opportunity to embrace who you truly are because a lot of it means that you've got to set boundaries. You've got to make some changes. For me, mm. they were huge. It meant, you know, getting divorced, leaving the town that I, you know, had created this community in, yeah. you know, not going back to teaching – not knowing what I was going to do and actually having to go down this path of like re-examining everything. Um, And so the Courage Project now supports organisations with personalised human-centred design around health, wellness, leadership um, and individuals, entrepreneurs as well. Um, So entrepreneurship is like, you know, I've got a real soft spot for it. So, yeah, I help individuals and organisations to really understand who they are and embrace that. And I use science to do that as well, epigenetics, so that's pretty cool.
1: So I'm drawn to chatting to you, especially for Process the Podcast, because myself,
0: I'm now getting
1: bombarded with self-doubt because you mm. listened to the last episode that i put out about the all the creative yeah. lessons from 2022 and i'm yeah. searching for personally guidance in the self-doubt space yeah. of my confidence knocked me yeah like everything that happened and more so things that i didn't share have knocked me for six i don't even know what that saying means but i think it's appropriate there <laughs> i'm not sure what happened to my I'm gonna do this I'm gonna email this person that like and I was having a great chat this morning to um a cinematographer Matt Jenkins who I work with all the time and we were like was I entitled Mm. is confidence tied to entitlement like Mm. where does this come from and how does that work and I'm battling this at the moment to be like well if you remove that from the picture and my confidence is gone then it was entitlement wasn't it
0: but I'm sort of like, anyway. Yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, first off, I want to say, like, I really admire your courage for actually talking about it because yeah. most of us are going around pretending that we're confident yeah. and not actually talking about it. There are more people now that are kind of being open about it. So, and I think it's really brave what you're doing to actually talk about it openly. Um, I think one of the things when it comes to self-doubt I think is really, you know, if you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, you're going to come up against that. You know, there's a saying that I love that is, you know, another level, another devil. So it's like every time you want to level up, you're going to meet your demons. You know, they're going to just come and really challenge you. And I think that is all part of the process. That's part of the journey that we go on when we are pushing ourselves, when we are trying to challenge and and achieve, you know, ego is going to come in and say, hang on, no, that is scary. You haven't done that before. Mm-hmm. And so I think a big part of it is around reframing mm-hmm. self-doubt. So when that comes in, you know, and this is a primal thing, this is a biological thing that is within us because, you know, as a species we need to survive. So our ego is coming in to kind of say, that looks scary. You know, once upon a time that was a saber-toothed tiger that we had to Mm. be careful of. But now it's putting yourself out on social media, you know. (laughs) It's a (laughs) You know, or like, you know, in the media or on podcasts, you know, there's – And we have so many people out there, keyboard warriors and everything, ready to, you know, take you down, you know, especially in Australia with tall poppy syndrome. Like, that's a big deal. So that's our saber-toothed tiger in modern-day reality. And we haven't evolved past the point where we're like, oh, you know, it's just it's just instagram or it's just a podcast it's not yeah. actually going to kill me if someone says this but you know it is very much you know as humans we are people that thrive on connection as well and every time somebody you know threatens that by making a negative comment that actually you know in our brain threatens our survival because mm. it looks like exile you know which very much happened particularly for women as well, not that long ago, when we think about, you know, witches and, you know, everything that women have been cast out, you know, we still have and we have cancel culture being so big as well these days as well. So it's, you know, it's it's very real to kind of put yourself out there. Another thing that I kind of want to say about self-doubt is like, well, I often do this with my clients as well, flipping it. Well, what's the opposite of self-doubt? What would you say? What is it for you? Because language is important. Language is different for everyone. Just, I mean, like blind confidence. Confidence, yeah. yeah. So most people say that, right? Confidence is the outward expression of certainty within. So me seeing you looking confident, like even as you were setting up and everything, (laughs) like, you know, and you look like you knew what you were doing. (laughs) You know but it can be certainty within oneself as well that's really what confidence is so it's like i know i can handle this and i think one of the ways i don't it's bad news i don't think that we can necessarily overcome Mm self-doubt but we can manage it and i think one of the best ways to manage it is by knowing oneself and that's a bit of a throwaway kind of cliche comment Mm -hmm. but you know the way that i help people know themselves is first and foremost on a biological level So, you know, how is your brain wired? Which parts of your brain do you use that are different to the way that other people use their brains? How did you develop in the womb and therefore, like, what hormones are driving your behaviour? And then what does that mean for what your purpose is, what your vision is, what your values are, and how does that tie into your beliefs?
1: So how does one get to know biologic, like,
0: diving? So really it all kind of starts scientifically at embryology like in the womb so when an embryo is formed the way it develops it develops three dermal layers right and so there's like the endoderm the mesoderm and the ectoderm but the thing is that the energy doesn't go into those evenly and this is where we get individuality Mm -hmm. okay so scientists have basically worked out how to understand what somebody's makeup is biological makeup is by measuring them and certain genetic markers okay so um Basically, if you've got a dominance of the mesoderm, like me, I'm a mesomorphic person, um, then really the dominance is around, like, the muscles, the heart, um, you know, everything that is there to move, like, you know, blood vessels and things like right. that. If you're an endoderm, then it's the primitive gut. Um, and if you're an ectoderm, it's really very much about, like, the brain, the spinal cord and, you know, skin right. and things like that. So different – You'll if you look around, you'll notice everybody's got different shaped bodies, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the ectoderm is very tall and lean um, and they are very analytical. They use their prefrontal cortex a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, The endomorphic people are very, like, sturdy, strong. They tend to hold mass a lot more and they are very giving people. So they've got – because they're built like that, they have endless amounts of, like, energy to to give – Well not endless, but it seems like that. And they're just, Mm. they get so much. They like, they're living their purpose if they're taking care of someone. And then the mesomorphic person is quite quite muscular, a little bit shorter, um, you know, and is usually quite active. Like it's hard for me to kind of keep my hands sort of still. And so they're very um, resourceful, very energetic, um, quite dynamic, will ruffle feathers a lot, um, Mm. love to speak, love to teach, love to kind of network and things like that. How do you find out what you are? So we do it through an assessment. So we'll, we actually either have people measure themselves and we kind of guide them on that process. Mm-hmm. Um, we plug all of those metrics into um, an artificially intelligent platform and that integrates 15 different layers of science to basically spit out a profile to tell you who this person is biologically. And current research is showing us that people are 50 to 80% biology. So, you know, the whole nature versus nurture debate,
1: mm-hmm. I feel like Not you could so get, get into it. a shit fight with an astrologist trying
0: to tell you oh, why, like, okay, so-and-so no,
1: well, are, how the way they are. You can know?
0: we go there? Can we go there a little bit? Because yes. I am huge on astrology. I love it. I'm a very energetic person. Yeah. Um, but the way I see it correlate is that, like, my soul chose this body to live out its purpose. Oh. So – When I say it goes back to embryology, like if you want to, if you're a spiritual person and you want to get really deep into the woo woo, it goes way back further. And it's like, you know, well, what body do you need to help you live out this purpose? So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I kind of, for me personally, I kind of, I take the biology. I'm very aware. I studied psychology and sociology at uni as well. So it's very much that kind of intersection between, Mm -hmm. you know, nature versus nurture and then the biology as well. Um, And then I'm a very spiritual person as well. So I kind of looked that as well to kind of see, you know, oh, well, what's the woo-woo stuff about it? Like that confirms the scientific stuff that I know and, you know, where I want to be going as well and how can I utilize that. So for me, that's a huge part of knowing oneself, like understanding, you know, what was your conditioning? So what have you learned? Um, you know, you've talked a lot on your podcast around, you know, like I was brought up this way or I, you know, I lived in a hotel and that has shaped me in this way. Mm. Um, so then there's, you know, well, how how did that environment Um, kind of facilitate parts of your natural biology coming out right so helping to under helping people to kind of understand their biology their psychology you know the sociology the conditioning around them Mm -hmm. um, you know and then also it can even go back as far as ancestry as well so Mm -hmm. what has passed down throughout generations of your family that are patterns repeating themselves as well Right. So this is where that whole like, you know, emotional intelligence piece comes from. And I think when people can really clearly understand this is like emotional intelligence on crack. Yeah. This <laughs> is <really> beyond. Is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it's I, I love this stuff, and I can go very deep down the rabbit hole. So yeah. stop me if I go too far. No, um, but yeah, it's. Um, I think that when we know ourselves, we can then get very clear about the decisions we want to make. Um, we can know whether we're headed on the right path or not. And I, th- you were speaking to something about procrastination the yeah. other day, and you know where is it something, are you not doing something because it's not aligned or are you not doing something because it's hard and you care so much about Mm. it? And so I think knowing oneself, that's where, you know, you probably know yourself really well and have been able to understand that difference Mm. and that nuance between, well, this wasn't aligned for me because, you know, you know your pathway and to where you want to go, right? Mm. Um, You know, whereas I feel like me back in the day, I had no idea who I was. So I had to really do that that digging to understand, you know, well, what are my beliefs? What what are my values? Mm. You know, what is my vision and my purpose? And so I think that gaining the clarity on who someone is and where they want to go can really help them to manage self-doubt when it comes up. So every single person, like I think we're up to like 8 billion people on the planet now, Mm -hmm. not one of them has the same like makeup, biological makeup as somebody else, even twins. So how can we broadstroke? Yeah.
1: The work that you do, do you feel like things come up that are sort of common themes in self-doubt that you tackle or is it Absolutely. really down to the wire of I um, mean
0: every single person is like this beautiful intricate concoction you know from Mm. what are the influences in their life that have shaped you know their beliefs Um, but we do see common things amongst certain types of biology what are some of
1: the things that you aside from all this beautiful biology juiciness what else do you sort of put into play for some of your clients in your community to help people really work on self-doubt especially creatively because it's raw, I'm I'm going through it at the moment yeah. of um, when I go through a process of being like I'm going to create a video for myself and even when I get gifted pieces and they're like, can you make us a video, that is terrifying for me because I am – When I'm working for a job, for example, Sheet Society this morning, they cast it, it's their bedding, it's their location, it is there's time on our hands, we've got the model for a certain amount of time, the weather's outside coming through the window, they've done the brief, they've sent me the energy, I've sent them a playlist of music, they're choosing, The everything is contorted, everything's moulded to what they want with my participation. Yeah. So it's a true collaboration and then that reflects the value of the work. But when I'm given a, a tray and a... um, I'm about to drop one of these four that I made for Fine Day, the um, Homewares brand. I was given a carafe, like a jug with a matching cup, and I made it myself. And the the self-doubt and the criticism I gave myself for filming that carafe, my God, because it's finally, it's me. And it's just me. And they were like, whenever you're ready, send it across. I didn't have any restrictions. I had none. Is my house good enough for this? Is my camera? Is my mind? I put a lemon in it. Is the lemon ugly? I don't know. Is my creativity shit all of a sudden? Like, oh my lord. And I am working through this with my therapist right now. I don't know where this comes from because I put myself out there like a hot tamale. I will send a banger email and be like, hey, I'm going to do this work for you. Or let's say I used to, past tense, before Mm -hmm. my confidence has dwindled a little little bit, but we're getting there, Mm -hmm. that world is so foreign to me. The moment I put out my creative expression, I've got thorns in every side. I can't take one step without feeling like I'm walking on glass of my own thoughts.
0: Yeah. So firstly, so normal. Thank God. Everyone goes through this. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds to me like what what I'm kind of picking up on there for starters is you've got a lot of self-compassion and understanding around why you might not necessarily be able to do something perfect when there's all these other restrictions in that other scenario. Where's the understanding and self-compassion when you're doing something new that's kind of out of your comfort zone with you putting yourself out there and, you know, filming this carafe? (laughs) The carafe, true. You know, know. like, you know, it's a new thing and we're our own worst critics. And it's so interesting when, like, you know, I mean, setting up here, you might have thought that, you know, you know, you didn't look like you knew what you were doing or something like that. And it was feeling unprofessional. You looked entirely professional to me. (laughs) So it was, you know, and I was like, wow, look how resourceful she is. Other people see us most often so much more fondly than we see ourselves. And so I think that, you know, one, we're our own worst critics. So in terms of tips that I can give people, Mm. one, watch your self talk. Because, you know, when I'm feeling insecure and when I'm putting myself out there and stretching myself out of my comfort zone, my self-talk is horrible. I would Mm. never speak to another person like that. So I've had to really be very aware of the script in my head um, and what I kind of go into saying. And there's a certain Script when I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone and when I'm feeling insecure, that really ramps up and it's not very conducive to actually being successful. So it's actually changing the language as to how you're speaking to yourself right. when you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. So treating yourself like your own best friend, right? Yeah. How would you, if your friend was really going out on a limb, you know, considering, you know, assuming that you're a good friend, yeah. <laughs> like first and foremost, but if your friend was going out on a limb, putting themselves out there, trying something new and you knew that they felt, you know, a little bit insecure, maybe a bit anxious about it, how would you treat them? How would you yeah. speak to them? Oh,
1: I would back them to the hills.
0: Yeah. And if they messed up and they called you to tell you about it, you would be so reassuring and so understanding and so compassionate. So one, like be your own best friend. You know, number two, I think, you know, one thing that has really helped me, reframing mistakes. Because mm-hmm. when you first started with your production company, like, were you perfect at it? No. You were probably this anxious at the start, mm. you know, or at least close to it, right? But you worked on it and you got better and better. So I think as a society where, you know, we're a perfectionistic society in the Western society and we don't, we don't really embrace mistakes you know, as, as part of the learning process and think of it like an experimentation. So sometimes I just kind of pretend that I'm a scientist and I'm like, well, you know, there's a bunch of hypotheses that I've got here and I'm just going to have a go at them and every no leads me closer to that yes, Yeah. right? So, you know, reframing mistakes and seeing them as part of, of the process, It's part of the journey. Um, and then I think also keeping your word to yourself you know, whenever you're mm. saying, I'm going to do this, it is a little bit of that kind of, you know, I'm going to actually do it. At the same time, making sure that those expectations aren't too high. Because if we can't keep our word to ourselves if our ex- expectations are too high, because we're going to go into burnout. Okay. Yeah. So actually being realistic about our expectations. Um, and one thing I'm really working on this year, which is painful, is consistency. And too. I hate it. Honestly, <laughs> I, hate, I am like a massive action person and, you know, I, w- I want to be perfect yesterday. So, you know, knowing also like I'm somebody that teaches other people about this, but I struggle with it every day and mm. I've just kind of accepted and surrendered to the fact that it's just going to be there forever, you know, and so it's not about overcoming it. It's about managing it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That moment where we let ourselves down because mm-hmm. we haven't kept our word to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Exhibit a setting an alarm for 6:30 going up, going uh, getting up, going to the gym, whatever, and we hit snooze and we let ourselves down. Mm-hmm. What do you think that does to the relationship with yourself?
0: Okay, I want to say a couple of things around that, mm-hmm. you know biologically, not everybody is supposed to get up at 6.30. So there's a whole bunch of people out there, coaches included, and this is why I have a love-hate relationship with the coaching industry, that have found something that works for them and they are spruking it. They're selling it and they're saying, you should do this too because it led me to success. It, it led them to success because it worked for them. So number one, I want to say that, you know, if you are not somebody that like, is actually naturally energetic in the morning, mm. you know, at 6.30, don't do it then. Like respect your own boundaries with that. Mm. Um, when it's, it, it's about and it's that nuance of knowing oneself as well, like really listening to your body, listening to the signs that it's giving you. Um, and I, I think it's about alignment as well. Like actually, you know, who is the person that I want to be? And if you fall off, it's just about getting back on the horse again. You mm. know, it, when, you, when we beat ourselves up around it, we're actually kind of sabotaging our success even more. Mm. So it's really important in those times where we don't keep our word to ourselves to have compassion and understanding. And sometimes I love what Brene Brown says about compassion, like the most compassionate people have the strongest boundaries. So sometimes compassion is like a gentle nudge. Sometimes it's a kick up the ass. So, you know, I think it's about, really understanding is this a time that I have to be compassionate with myself and relax a little bit. Like for me, I wanted my entire house packed up, a moving house. I wanted my entire house packed up before the movers came tomorrow and that's just not realistic. So I've had to kind of readjust a little bit, you know. That would not be a time to keep my word to myself because I'd have to sacrifice sleep, you know. I'd probably be snappy at my family, you know. I might not have, you know... I'd had to sacrifice work probably as Mm -hmm. well. I might have had to say no to this podcast Mm -hmm. as well. Um, So, you know, it's about those priorities as to, you know, and how can we balance it all, and that's work-life balance. So how can people work with you? Instagram is great, Mm the.courage.project. At the moment I'm just doing it imperfectly. You know, I'm just showing up there on Instagram just because it's part of the process and I'm okay with making mistakes and on my website Mm -hmm. um, or emailing me through the website.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I feel like a little tinkerbell has come along and just slitted all my self-doubt
0: to be like, it's okay. Tinkerbell is like my like <laughs> cartoon like, um, yes. avatar, I guess. So thank you for nailing that one. And, and yeah. thank
1: you so much for being our first mini. Pleasure. That brings us to the end of our first Petite Process episode. If you loved this episode, please share it with your fellow creative friends, your socials, leave a review or DM me to let me know that you loved it. This is the second episode coming back to the podcast. Each alternating episode will feature an educator or professional to tackle topics we're curious about. And if you're liking this format, please let me know. If you want to know more about Casey, her details are in the show notes. Next Sunday, I'm chatting to content creator and influencer Nikki Cruz. From the Coles night shift to creating content for international cosmetic brands, she's entirely self-taught, a mum of three, Every time she posts, I gasp because she is creating art for these brands from her home studio. I cannot wait to introduce you to Nikki Cruz. I'll see you next Sunday.